G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. That was a particularly hard time of my life. You know, I, I look back now and I think God was really there, but at the time I felt abandoned by, by everyone, by my family, by God, because I felt, you know, the, the way the surgery was explained to me was that uh, it was extremely risky, I could potentially die, but also I'd had a rough time. I was not raised with my biological father. He would come and say hello, but then he'd say, I don't want anything to do with you. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, Terry Higgins was given only a 5% chance of surviving because of severe health challenges she encountered when she was only two years old. But, as we will hear today, Terry has gone on not only to survive, but has thrived despite living with a disability. Also, joining us in today's conversation is Terry's friend and recent guest, Kim Black, who was born blind and is also no stranger to having to overcome challenges because of a disability. Terry and Kim are having a chat with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program, Kim Black. Thanks, Eric. It's good to be here. You have a special friend that you'd like to introduce us to today? Yeah, I've brought along my friend Terry Higgins, who I met three or four years ago at church, and um, she's got an incredible story and, like myself, has had some challenges growing up with disability and that kind of thing, so I've brought her along to share with us today. Welcome to the program, Terry. Thanks, Kim. Great to have you with us and looking forward to hearing your story. So we'll go back to the very beginning, growing up. What was life like for you? I was uh, raised primarily by my mother with a bit of influence with my grandparents also. But yeah, mostly by my mother and um, it could have been a little bit of a difficult time as I was quite ill in my younger years. I was diagnosed with cancer when I was two and a half. Uh, and How did they know something was different? So when I was about two, I was falling over a lot, migraines, different things that were just not normal for a two-year-old child. Uh, And my mother took me to a GP and GP said, dunno, go back home. We met back about three times and eventually the GP said, I'll take her to the emergency department at the Royal Children's because they noted my left arm wasn't working. So we went there and we had a number of tests and they discovered a large tumour in my spinal cord. Was that the only tumour that you had? At the time, yes. It was found in my spinal cord after an MRI. And my mother was told that I had less than 5% chance of survival. Wow. Wow. And um, if I did survive, that I would probably only get about five years, if that. Um So there was a lot of prayer going on uh, in the church uh, that I went to with my grandparents, with my mum, and straight away they had me on chemotherapy and also did some spinal surgery uh, to debunk the tumour and relieve pressure, which unfortunately they found wasn't working after several attempts. So after that, they, uh, they actually took off part of my spine uh, in order to relieve pressure, but just left the tumours alone. It wasn't until about six months later when I was about three, uh, they thought the tumour had spread to my brain, but in fact it was a different type of cancer which they discovered 11 years later. Just a separate cancer not related to the original one? Is That's that what correct. you're saying? Yes. Oh, wow. 
So um, you, at this point, have cancer in your spinal cord and tumours in your brain as well. That's correct, uh, which was incredibly scary for my family. For me, being a child, I wasn't particularly afraid, although, of course, I didn't know exactly what was going on being so young. The biggest issue I had was uh, being in the hospital, having chemotherapy and surgery, I was afraid then, not because of the possibility of dying, but because I was so sick and obviously my mother couldn't stay all the time. So being left with nurses or with other family members, that was that was particularly scary for me, um, not knowing where my mother was and being on heavy doses of chemo and not being well. But my grandma and my mum and my grandpa really led me in my faith in that stage um, and they would pray with me a lot. We'd talk about God, we'd pray about God and, you know, for my mum as well because she was she was young and so she was afraid of obviously losing her child but not knowing what to do, not being in that situation. Were you her first child? Yes, I'm her only child. Mm-hmm. You mentioned feeling sick a lot at that stage in your life. What was happening? Do you remember how you were feeling and what was happening for you? Yes, look, I think um, throwing up a lot because of the chemo and generally a very in a lot of pain. So part of the draining the tumour, mm-hmm. um, when they did that would relieve the pressure, but when they found that it kept filling back up, they stopped doing it and I still had that pain from the pressure. So I had a lot of pain, particularly my left, which was the arm that was paralysed, and there wasn't a lot of relief except for heavy painkillers, which we had to be careful with being so young mm. and just sick from chemo. You know, not a nice feeling, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Really so they didn't really, I mean, just being honest, they didn't think you were going to make it? No, no, they didn't. The approach was generally more or less treat now rather than prevent, uh, which then caused issues in the later years uh, with my spine. So for you, how how did that impact your movement? You mentioned that your left arm was already paralysed. Was there anything else going on? How has that affected even your physical appearance? Yeah, look, the, uh, the surgery that they did and the treatments they gave me, so they did spinal surgery on me three times and they also gave me three rounds of high-dose chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Wow. For me, the spinal surgery caused what is called the swan neck deformity. Basically means your spine goes in an extreme S-shape. So the top half bends over and the bottom half sort of bends back, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has caused um, some severe pain, some height loss. So I've actually lost uh, quite a bit of height. Uh, the radiotherapy meant that I actually didn't grow properly. I haven't ever grown past the height of about a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. I suppose it made an impact in my schooling as well, um, being short, uh, being unable to move my left side properly. Uh, you know, in kinder, the other children were crossing the monkey bars while I was standing, staring at the monkey bars, trying to figure out how on earth I could do it because, of course, I wanted to be like all the other kids. Yeah. So you're saying that you went to just a regular school? Yes, yes, yeah. I went to an average kinder, average school. But maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. We thought you weren't even going to make it. Yes. But yet, here you are saying that you went to kindergarten. Yeah, it's, uh, by the grace of God, really, uh, there was an awful lot of prayer going on and I really think God has definitely been in my life, uh, you know, with the rounds of chemo, the rounds of radiotherapy, we tried naturopath remedies. Uh, my mother was saving to take me to America to find some other miracle treatment. Mm-hmm. 
and of course we didn't we never made it to America um, but the tumor did shrink or stop growing rather oh excellent when I was about eight I believe the cancer diagnosis the fact that we found it in time enough because it's a fast-moving tumor mm-hmm. um, is a miracle in itself we had treatment that eventually did something um, including a naturopath treatment and um, that my mother believes definitely did something. And um, then, of course, when I was older, I developed epilepsy when I was in my preteen years and teen mm. years. Mm-hmm. And that went on for about four years. It was quite a substantial amount. And we found I was seizing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Non- seizures? Seizures, yes, every kind, wow. nonstop. So some of them you could tell, some of them you couldn't tell that I was seizing. And we believed that they were caused by the tumours in my brain, which after multiple tests and medications and all that, I had brain surgery. But I guess the thing that really was important in that was that I had a a test to see what was happening in my brain and with those tumours. And essentially they wanted me to have seizures during this time so they could see what was going on. And I'd had all these types of seizures except for this one particular kind that they really needed to see. And well, that's kind of different. They wanted you to have seizures, yes. but in order to diagnose you better. Is that the idea? That's correct. So I was in the hospital, and I remember being incredibly upset, incredibly and frustrated. And this is at what age? I would have been 14 at the mm-hmm. time, I believe. And I was in, in the hospital, and I was praying and praying because I was incredibly frustrated. I hadn't had this seizure. I'd been sleep-deprived in order to have seizures, and I was at obviously at the end of my tether, everyone was, Mm -hmm. and I said, dear God, and that was it, I had a seizure, I had the seizure I needed to have. Just Um, after saying, dear God. Dear God. So God knew before I could even say what I needed, and uh, so I had that seizure, and that was it, that was the end of that testing, really. Did they find out whatever they needed to know? Yes, so a few few months later, they did brain surgery on me and the last seizure I had was about half an hour before that surgery and I've not seized since. Wow. Mm, incredible. And obviously having all these seizures all the time, sometimes not even people around you not even recognising they were happening, that would have affected you too. I, I assume that you went through high school and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I um, originally started at one school and I actually had to leave that school and go to a different school because there actually wasn't enough care there for me to stay there and uh, one of the instances was I actually got hit by a car thankfully at low speed and my friend's car actually in the car park of the school grounds because I had a seizure and in the seizure walked out into the middle of the car park whoa and again thanks to god it was in the car park it was low speed and it was my friend who knew exactly what was happening once they saw me Mm. and brought me back in and got me home somehow (laughs) I don't remember how but so yeah, it certainly impacted my schooling, it impacted my learning. I didn't I didn't learn for about two years straight because of the seizures. You're listening to the story. Today, Terry Higgins is sharing her life journey. And unfortunately, as we've been hearing, she's gone through some severe health challenges. Next, we'll find out more of Terry's story and hear how many of her dreams have come true. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. 
Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with Eric Scadabo and his special co-host for today, Kim Black, who has introduced us to her friend, Terry Higgins. Before the break, we heard how, unfortunately, Terry has gone through some severe health challenges. Now, here's more of Terry's story. I think, you know, it was really, really important for me during that time, I think, with God in my schooling and that, you know, I would pray, you know, oh God, you know, help me with this test. And it was a minute prayer. It was something I said, you know, schooling doesn't really matter at the time, but it does matter because I wanted to you know, I wanted to do what everybody else was doing still mm-hmm. and, and yeah. go ahead and get a job when I was older and, you know, go to TAFE or uni and, you know, he answered my prayers. I did pass my tests and um, I did go to TAFE. I just think of myself being in school and the things that I battled and the ways I was treated and it was certainly nothing on that scale. But, you know, I just remember being really angry and hating the world and the fact that, you know, I just wanted to give up. Was there ever a moment in time where you just wondered what the point of it all was or you just wanted to give up uh, or was it really just about commitment to prayer for you? No, for sure. There was definitely, definitely, definitely there were times where um, I did want to give up. You know, I I wasn't treated nicely in my schooling from, from the get-go in kinder all the mm. way through to the end of high school. The kids picking on you and stuff? Yeah. I guess you, you look different and so it made you an easy target for them? Yeah, I, being... I think, you know, in, in primary school I remember being, because I was shorter, the children would, you know, push me over or steal my hat. Mm. Um, you know, Unbelievable. In, in, I mean, that's just cruel. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I had surgery in VCE years. I had um, spinal surgery again mm. um, due to, you know, I was saying my spine has been bent um, due to the surgeries and medications that I had when I was younger. Well, it was so bent at this time that they were worried that the spine was going to collapse in on itself. Wow. The only real hope then was to have a spinal surgery, which usually they would put a rod in to straighten your spine. But with mm. mine, it was so bent, and because the tumour was still in my spinal cord, they couldn't straighten my spine. What they did is they actually took a rib out and put it in my spine to hold it up. Wow. I didn't even know they could do that. And by this time, you're a bit older now too. Was there any fear? Were you wondering, like, am I ever going to make it out of this? Even though you're now 17 or 18 and you've survived a lot longer than the doctors thought you would, what, what was going through your mind at that time? For sure. At that point in time, I guess that was that was a particularly hard time of my life. You know, I, I look back now and I think God was really there, but at the time I felt abandoned by, by everyone, by my family, by God, because I felt, you know, the, the way the surgery was explained to me was that uh, it was extremely risky. I could potentially die. But also, um, I'd had a rough time. I was not raised with my biological father. Um, I had tried to keep in contact over these years with him, but he was didn't particularly treat me very well and essentially sort of... He would come and say hello, but then he'd say, I don't want anything to do with you. Oh, wow. Um, and so at this point in time... Um, I suppose really needing my father or yeah. a father figure at the yeah. time, I, I felt very, very depressed. And I actually at one stage tried to take my own life, which was probably one of my darkest moments. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. I mean, being despondent after all you've been through is certainly understandable. 
So at that point I was at the lowest point of my life, trying to take my own life and, yeah, really feeling quite abandoned. And it wasn't until I then started thinking about, you know, in those dark times, will I ever have a family? Will I ever get married? Will I ever have children? You know, these these are the things I desperately, desperately wanted and everyone I had met in that sense, you know, I had a boyfriend who was not nice to me at all and I moved on from him and then I sort of, I was starting to give up and I met Zach, who is now my husband. And meeting Zach was probably where I, I realised that God was still there mm. uh, because I I had moved away from God. I realised that. And I'd started praying and sort of said, okay, God, if, you, you know, if you're there, give me some kind of sign, you know, help me. And, you know, my, my parents, well, my mother and my, my grandparents were still praying for me at this point. And, you know, Zach turned up and one day, you know, I, I brought him home one day. Uh, we decided we were, we were dating and I brought him home one day and he hadn't yet met my mother. And we were a bit worried about this. Why? Uh, my mum was very cautious, very protective of me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, understandable. I thought maybe she might get a bit annoyed, a bit angry, or uh, we weren't really sure how she'd take it. So this is, uh, he said, oh, would your mother mind? And I said, no, make her momos, which is a, a dumpling type of dish. <laughs> so she came home and here he is was. Is that her soft spot? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> she came home and said, who's this Who's this boy in my house? What's he doing? And uh, she certainly warmed up to him a little bit after that. I have a few visits. Momos. Momos. That did the trick. Yes. Well, they say the best way to a man's heart is always uh, through his stomach, but I think uh, it's fair to say that going by this story and my own experiences, the same <laughs> is definitely true for a woman. <laughs> Indeed. So what happened next? Uh so at that point, uh, we continued on dating, and uh, Zach and I had a serious conversation. I said, look, I don't date just for the sake of dating. I date for the idea of being together for life, the mm-hmm. eventual marriage. Uh, I'm a Christian. You know, I would want this to be a God-honouring relationship. Uh, if you're serious about this relationship, you'll ask my parents if you can marry me. And at that point, I... I actually had a stepdad in the picture. So Zach went to my mum's work one day and said, I want to talk to you. And he said, oh, can I marry your daughter? My mother said, what about this, this, this? You know, what if she can't have children? What if, what if, what if? And uh, you better take good care of her. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the sound of this mother of yours. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's, uh, she's a pretty good one. Well, tell us about Zach. Uh, is he a Christian as well? He wasn't at the time. So this was this was the interesting part. He wasn't a Christian. He'd sort of steered clear of any kind of religion until I said, I'm Christian. I'd like it if you learn about God, but I'm not going to force you into it. Of course, I started coming to church. And after coming for probably a month, one day Zach turned up and he started to really really learn about Christ and he started asking questions and reading the Bible with me and, uh, you know, I'd been praying, you know, God, you know, teach him, teach him about yourself, reveal mm. yourself to him and just let, you know, let him be open to knowing you. And that certainly happened 
time passed, he came to church, he learned to love Christ, and he then proposed uh, after becoming a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we later on, uh, after about two years of being engaged, got married mm-hmm. with many, many of our friends and family, which was a miracle in itself, you know, we from from the beginning of time, thinking that I wasn't going to live and then, you know, thinking I'd never meet anyone and then here we were standing in the chapel getting married. Wow. I mean, <laughs> when you're walking down that aisle, I can just imagine what you must have been thinking. I was bawling my eyes. <laughs> I was so happy <laughs> and... You I know, can imagine what it would have been like for your mum too, like, you know, oh yeah. Watching, yeah. watching you as a two-and-a-half-year-old with 5% chance of survival and then seeing you all beautiful dressed up on your wedding day i think one thing that's really standing out to me is that the way god sort of delivers us i suppose like you were at a really low point of taking your own life and wondering and if you were ever going to meet anyone that you could share your life with and then this amazing man turns up and he's really changed your life and his own life has really changed as a result of this as well and he he too has been transformed by christ yeah i think you know it's definitely God is always there. Uh, he had his hand in everything. And, yeah, I think my mum, you know, my mum had been praying and she was she was pretty happy. I just think, I remember she walked me down the aisle and I remember, mm. you know, being held by my stepdad and my mum walking down the aisle thinking, thank you, God, this is, you know, you really have delivered everything I ever wanted from, you know, getting better, being able to move a bit better to having the surgeries to having the seizures disappear and our various you know different treatments just getting them to work mm. and then of course another one for us was the really big movement after we married we talked about having children and we questioned whether I could have children so we did uh, we went to a, uh, a hospital and they said uh, we'll do these tests did these tests and they said oh look you're capable of having children, but we don't recommend it. We're not going to support it because it's pretty likely that you could die or if you didn't die, wow. the child would die, uh, which, again, I, I was feeling pretty low at the point and, you know, it's like we, we prayed and I said, I think for me one of the biggest moments was when I said, please, for the next appointment, give us a turnaround. And so we went back to the hospital and I'd asked, I had asked in the previous appointment for a second opinion. I came back and they said, we've got this opinion back. This lady says, yes, you could have children. Yes, it's risky, but it's certainly plausible. And at that moment, I, I cried. I said, thank, you know, thank you, God, for you know, answering my prayer. And uh, they did move us to another hospital. I went to another hospital who they redid all the tests for their own documentation and they said yeah it's definitely possible come back when you're pregnant wow and how long did it take you to get pregnant uh probably took two months two months two months it was not long at all that's incredible the first one we actually had a miscarriage the first time which was very sad Mm -hmm. but the second one when we fell pregnant it was it was one of those feelings you just know god was there and He's a miracle. He's now hmm. about to turn three. Cheeky, smiley little fella. That's your boy, Matthew? Yes, as you said, yeah. Three years old. And he really is 
a gorgeous little guy. He's full of life and happiness and he's a joy to have around. And against all odds, you've got not just one, but two children. You've also got a five-month-old daughter now. Yeah, I was going to say, my wife Jean is in the studio next to us, babysitting your five-month-old daughter, Rachel. Yes. And she, well, my wife is really enjoying this. (laughs) But uh, you're a mother of two. Uh, We're running out of time, but how can we wrap this all up? Uh, It's certainly, oh, God. Mm. I look at them and I see, you know, I think I could have died when I was his age. Mm. And they could have had a disability. They could have come out. Both healthy? They're both healthy. They're both fine. There's not a drop wrong with them. Mm. Healthy, delivered, full-term babies. And you got through the pregnancy, obviously, and you're okay? Yeah, yeah, they were worried about many things, but we had a textbook pregnancy. It was, wow. it was amazing. Wow, it just shows God really can use any situation for his own glory, can't he? He can really turn anything around, and yeah, we praise him for that. Amen. And mm-hmm. finally, how are you doing health-wise? I'm fine. I, I don't have any any issues now. I generally get on with life, I suppose, as much as any other person would. Uh, the occasional pain here and there, but not really. I, um, you know, I do struggle with some things, you know, not being able to use my left arm properly mm. uh, means that I can't hold two kids at once. Mm. Um, but And I guess now my... with Matthew being older and running around and all of those things, he's a lot harder to lift and definitely keeps you on your toes a lot more. He certainly does, but uh, <laughs> God has given him some good sense. It's one of the joys that I hear on a regular basis. I say to him, what do you want to learn? And he says, I want to learn about Jesus. Wow. And that is, that's a good reminder for me that Jesus really is, mm-hmm. you know, he's really in my life. He's there all the time. Well, Terry Higgins, thank you so much for sharing your inspiring story with us today. Not a problem. It was a pleasure. That was Eric Scatterbo, along with his special co-host for today, Kim Black, chatting with Terry Higgins, who shared her incredible life journey. And it's hard to believe that at one point in Terry's life, they only gave her a 5% chance of surviving. But yet she is now a wife and mother of two wonderful, healthy children and is going from strength to strength. What an absolute blessing. Jesus said to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yes, Jesus gives us peace in the midst of the troubles we experience in life, and he also helps us to overcome. Well, thanks for joining us for Terry's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. He gave me an application form and sat with me, helping me fill this application form. And then we came to this question, which said... uh, write your testimony and the only thing I could think of was saying to him yes sir when I was 13 years old my bishop gave me communion (laughs) and this man looked at me initially surprised then he said well that's good enough when a despondent Sonny Phillips showed up at Bible school in India and asked to be admitted he technically didn't meet the minimum requirements however a wise man at the school decided to make an exception that decision completely changed the direction of sunny's life we'll hear his story next time the story, the story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life